What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? Welcome back to the What Are You Made Of? podcast with your boy, Mike C-Rock. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so much for your support of the What Are You Made Of? Waymo movement and the podcast. I can't do my mission without you. And that is to get people to share their stories and also understand that everything that you go through is a training session for your future. Turn all setbacks, letdowns, negativity into rocket fuel for your future. And we bring guests on, besides my story I share, we bring guests on to share their stories of what they're made of. And today I have Heron and CS, aka The Business Bro. He's one of the brothers that has The Business Bros podcast, which I'm going to be a guest on at some point here in the future. A daily interview show that highlights entrepreneurs and their journey through business and life. Hernan's background is in taxes with a degree in accounting and a teaching credential in mathematics. He has built multiple businesses over the last 17 years, including his current venture with Pipeline Insurance, and most recently due to the success of the podcast he has launched. Fans, what is that? Fan Spark? Fan Spark. At DIY and full service <clears throat> podcasting and marketing company. His mission is to help you win by showing you how to take control of your branding and marketing through the power of podcasting. So, Hernan, what's up, buddy? Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Appreciate you being here. Man, I'm pumped, dude. This is one of the, my favorite things to do on a daily basis is hop on this mic, meet brand new people like yourself. And, you know, thanks to this whole medium, this whole podcasting, this virtual space, I get to meet people like you. Prior to jumping on your show, I was listening to your podcast and just to hear the energy in your voice and the passion behind what it is you do, like that's what it's about. Meeting people who have that kind of spark and hop on this thing. It's something that I never thought would be possible until I flipped the switch on that microphone. Yeah, man. And when did you first start your podcast? So July is going to make two years. Okay. So you've right? been doing this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing it like literally in the next week or so, we're going to probably hit episode 500 here. Wow. Um, and yeah, it, it's been a hell of a ride though. Like, you know, when we first got into this whole podcasting thing, I got into it because I was becoming a real estate coach. My mentor was like, Hey man, you need to have a podcast. You need, you need to do this on a regular basis. If you have a business, you have a podcast around the same time. I got introduced to that guy, Gary V, <laughs> right? Everybody yeah. knows who he is. And he's saying the same thing. You got to have a podcast. You got to have a podcast. And I'm like, all right, look, I don't know what this whole podcasting thing is. I don't even know what it's going to do. I don't know how much time it's going to take. If they say I got to do it, I got to do it. Right. So yeah. we jump on board. We start doing this podcast and I didn't want to do it by now, myself. Wait, did it start, yeah. I was going to say, did it start out with you or your brother too at the same time? Well, see, originally I tried to get the wife involved, right? I was like, babe, look, let's do this podcast. We can talk about what's like parenting, what it's like, you know, being in a marriage. We can talk about all, you know, throw out all our laundry on here and just, you know, the hash out stuff. It's like therapy, right? We can just get to do it and people can connect with us. And she was like, hell no, right? I'm not doing that. So I went to the next best thing. I grabbed my brother and I was like, hey man, we're going to do this podcast. I didn't ask him, right? I asked the wife, but I didn't ask the bro. I just was like, hey man, we're doing this podcast. Told him, just told him. Just told him, this is what we're doing. He was like, all right, uh, okay, cool, I guess. And then I was like, by the way, we're going to do it every day, Monday through Friday. And then he looked at me a little funny. And then I was like, and we're going to do it for three years at least. And then he kind of like was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I don't, what, what's this like? Is I'm it, like, look, man. A weekly show or what? No, we do it Monday through Friday, dude, oh, every fine. single day. So, you know. That's and, going and after fun- it, man. And with COVID, it started to open up like, you know, a couple a day. And then in June, I started this whole thing where like, okay, I've had, you know, over 300 guests on our show. We've done almost 500 interviews. 
I need to go out and be a guest on other shows. So I put this goal in front of me of be a guest on 50 podcasts in the month of June. And that's how I ended up reaching out to you, right? And it's just a matter of getting a message out there, right? Being able to decide you're going to do something, commit to doing that thing, and then just sticking to it every day, making it part of your lifestyle. Making a commitment changes everything. Oh, 100%. That changes everything. And people are so uncommitted and then they wonder why they're not getting results. And, you know, that's where it stems from. But let's, so what are we on, June 10th? What podcast is this that you've been on? Technically, you're number seven. I've scheduled out 18 and you're number seven so far. But Lucky um, number seven, baby. Lucky number seven. And here's the thing about, you know, and you know this as a sales professional, if you're physically fit, you know this too. You have a goal. So I have a goal of 50. I don't know if I'm going to make the 50 in June, but you know what? I have 18 scheduled. If I get to 35, if I get to 42, if I get, that's 40 other shows or 20 other shows or whatever it is that I wasn't on that nobody had even thought was possible before. You know, getting people to be on your show has been easy, right? We're now booked out eight weeks in advance. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's really easy to get people on your show. Being a guest on somebody else's show that's a little bit more difficult. That is you selling yourself and your skills and who you are as an individual and your personality and does it fit this person's particular niche. So you're literally selling yourself to the other podcast shows. Yep. And I think that's where people fall off in a lot, of th- a lot of aspects in life. It's not easy. And because there is no easy button, you can't just push a button and boom, it happens. People aren't going to continue to do that. Let me tell you something. And by the way, I got to start off the show by saying, what are you made of? And you just started getting into what you're made of already, but I missed that mark. So (laughs) I'm going to throw that in there in a second. Okay. I just had a conversation with someone the other day and I was asking them about their wife. Their wife has a business. They've had a business for a while and she was doing pretty good. But I said, has she scaled the business yet? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, she can't do it by herself. Like, you know, because my mind is I'm not doing anything by myself. I'm building the team, man, because Mm -hmm. you got to scale. You can't do anything by yourself successfully. You can for a short period of time, but not for success long-term. And uh, he's like, nah, man, it'd be too hard. And I'm like, as soon as somebody says that to me, man, I get repulsed. To me, when somebody says it's going to be hard, it means they're lazy. I don't know. That's just, that's just me. I'm sure I've said that in the past, but now the way I think it's like, dude, are you lazy? Let me give you the other side of that, right? The fact that you thought, man, I must be harsh or that was wrong of me to say or whatever. That's the thing that stopped me in the past too. Like I got to a point where now I'm like, I'm just going to say it. And if it offends you, I'm sorry. Maybe it should have offended you a little bit, right? Maybe you should feel that pain of you're just being lazy, right? And you that, needed to hear that. that's not me being a jerk. That's me no. being looking out for you. Exactly. Yeah, you're coming yeah, from a place yeah. of love. Like flip it on the other side, right? So I teach high school in the morning, right? And I teach seniors. I teach a course called Financial Algebra. So I teach kids, you know, how to balance a checkbook, you know, what auto insurance is, how to write tax returns, that sort of stuff, right? So it's a cool class. And in my class, I make them journal every single day. The beginning of the day, the first 10 minutes of class every single day is write in your journal. And I tell them this because I'm like, look, you might have an idea that pops in your head. And this is the only place that you're going to put it down on paper. And if you put it down on paper, it begins the cycle of becoming a reality, right? Because what's going to happen? Normally, you guys, everybody in life has an idea. It pops into their head. You can't stop thinking about it. It fuels your day. And then you go home and do the thing that everybody does, which is tell the person you care about the most, right? Whether it's your mom, your spouse or whatever. And what do they do? They're like, you can't do that. That's impossible. Like, no, that's not you, right? They shut down your idea like that. And here's the thing. They're not shutting your idea down because they hate you. They're doing it from a place of love. They fear themselves committing to something long-term 
right? They can't see themselves doing that. They don't have a clear vision of what you see in your vision. So they're going to shut you down to protect you, but you can't let that stop you. So, you know, when I have the kids write their stuff down, I go, this is your free will. This is where you can come back and look at your ideas and say, look, I thought of this when I was in 17 years old and it's never gone away from me. Now I can come back, you know, at 23, 25, 35, 43, however old you are and say, look, I'm going to finally implement this. I'm going to put this into action. And once you, like you said, once you commit, there's no way you can't succeed, yeah. right? You might not be successful in the next year. It might take you 10 years. It might take you a long time. But if you're progressively taking the steps in the right direction, you're going to get there. Yeah. And what do you tell them about the people saying those things to them? The non-supportive. <laughs> because that's what, what he made up is all about is turning that into rocket fuel. Like, I like people saying that to me. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll show you. Watch. Just sit back and watch. Because if they say they root for me, to me, sometimes it seems ungenuine. But they do root for you, right? So at first, they're preventing you from going forward because they think that they want to protect you from the failure. Because let's face it. Most people start something and they quit, right? That's failure. It's when you end that particular thing that you're on, not when you struggle, when you fall down, when you stop, right? And so they're worried about you quitting and feeling, you know, like you've messed up or whatever. That's what they're trying to protect you from. But see, that's given them a lot of benefit of the doubt of not being selfish. See, to me, I look at it differently. To me, I think that people are more selfish than that, everybody by nature. And they're not worried about necessarily you failing. They're worried about them not have gone after something in their lives. And then they don't want you to go after something and then succeed. And it makes them look bad. Does that make Are you sense? talking about crabs in a bucket? Absolutely. Yeah. Crab yeah. Bucket, I'm saying, I think it's more than that than them saying, you know, I'm worried about you. Maybe your parents are like that, but it's a good thing that's for debate. But I want to make sure people understand that when people do that to you, that shouldn't even be like a factor except for giving you fuel to go after it. But you can't, that's the thing, right? You can't listen to that, right? Yeah. You can hear them but you can't let it be part of what you want to do. Yeah. And just because you don't have all the skills right now, just because you don't know all the hurdles that you're going to come across, doesn't mean you don't start, right? Yep. If you go back to like working out, for example, you know, there was a time where I took my kids to Sky Zone. It's this trampoline place, right? And I was like, cool, let's go jump around with the kids. And I rolled my ankle yeah. and I couldn't walk for like three weeks. And then I used that same injury after like, it took me a good two months for me to be able to walk comfortably. Right. But after those two months, I could have got back out and started running a little bit and working out again. But did I No, I use that as my excuse why I can't do something right. The fuel works both ways and you can either let it pull you down or you can let it fuel you. And so you can rocket shit up. That's just the way it works. So eventually I was like, you know what, I'm done with this, you know, gaining weight thing. I'm not going to be doing that anymore. Get back on the horse. And that first few weeks, like three or four weeks, those suck, right? And that's the analogy that I got to give people, you know, when you first start working out, it sucks. Well, guess what? When you first start a business or you start a new venture or you start to learn something, it sucks. You have to learn this new language. There's this whole lexicon that's involved in this, in an industry. You're in, you're in mortgages, right? Yeah. So somebody who has never dealt with a mortgage before steps into a mortgage office even though everything's in English, you have no idea what people are saying, right? Yep, because yep. that's a language that you need to learn. And unless you immerse yourself in that culture, unless you become part of that and you use that terminology and you start to implement those things, then you're going to get better. I'll give you another analogy that I use with my students. The first time you play Monopoly, the very first time you suck, right? It's horrible. But after you play the game one time and you understand the rules, the second time you have a chance of winning. Right. And that's the whole MO here with people who get into any type of business is 
understand that you need to first learn the rules to the game so that you have a chance to win. Right, right? right. My first business, I started when I was 20 years old out of necessity. Let's go back to that because I want to hear what you're made of. I forgot to ask you, what are you made oh, yeah. of? So Sorry, let's go man. back Sorry. to that. Like, like when you started that business. Absolutely. So what am I made of? All right. So we grew up pretty poor. I mean, I can't say super poor. I mean, my parents always had rice and beans on the table for sure. Tortillas, right? Like we got by, but we never, we, the only thing we really knew about money is we didn't have it, right? That's pretty much it. And then like, I remember I was probably like 16, 17 years old. My dad brought this lady to come in and she sat down and, and talked with us about personal finance, right? This is where your money's going. What is it that you want to do in your future? Where do you want to go? Uh, and she basically talked to us a little bit about, you know, we, we were like 17. We're like, do we just want to get an apartment and me and my brothers and we're just going to, you know, rent the rooms out and we'll be good. We're like, that's, that's the plan. Right. And she just dropped a little bit of a, a change. She's like, why rent the place when you guys could own it? And we're like, I don't know. Cause I'm a kid. Nobody's going to give me keys to the house. Right. But you know, we took the necessary steps and we got there. Yeah. And the by end- the way, at that moment, do you remember what it was like when you bought your first place? Like now buying places is easy because I'm in the mortgage business and I know how easy, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily easy to get a mortgage, but it's easy process to buy something if you're set up properly. But I remember that first time I was buying a house and somebody said, you should buy a house when I was 20 something. And I'm like, man, that's scary. That seems like a lot involved. And you know, and that thought. But you, you put that? that thought in your head, right? We yeah. put that on thought. The only reason why I didn't think about buying a house is because that's something that adults did. That's something that, yeah. you, know, you know, older people with kids and that's what they did. That's not something that, you know, a 19, 20 year old kid did, but that was the mentality in my head. Luckily, the only real skill I have is when I commit to something, I'm going to do it. Right. So, you know, they're like, here, just gather these documents. And it was 2003. So literally you could fog a mirror and like, they would give you a mortgage. It wasn't like right, right. <laughs> credit scores. Who cares? Just put stated income. You're great. You're good. I to remember go. them days. <laughs> so, you know, but again, the difference was we did it right. And where other people didn't take advantage of that particular market, we did. And so, you know, we got into this thing. What would trip me out about, you know, that lady that came in at the end, my dad cut her a check for 200 bucks. And for my dad to cut a check for 200 bucks, I was like, what the heck? Like, I thought this person was just coming to help out of the kindness of her heart. He paid and invested in our future. And it wasn't a lot of money. My dad's a smart guy, but he's never, you know, been wealthy or anything like that. And, you know, seeing him take that money out of his pocket and put it into our future, even though we still had nothing at that point. Like it, it, that was one of those few things like, okay, look, my grandparents came to this country and my parents were, well, one of my parents was first generation born in the U S I always saw it as I have to do at least what my parents do, if not better. Right. I have to do that. So one thing leads to another, we end up buying this house at 20 years old. We own the house for about six months. And my brother who's working at Cox communications, installing high speed internet. And he was fixing computers at the time. He sees this like muddy road and he takes his work truck and he's like spinning, doing donuts stuff and rolls the truck. Right. And so he gets fired obviously. And so we have this mortgage payment and now we got to get him work. So this is where my first bit of entrepreneurial bug hits. We made flyers and we're like, we're going to go door to door every morning and we're going to put these flyers on these doors and we're going to say, Hey, we'll fix your computer and install your high speed internet. And then we got a little bit smarter and we're like, we're going to take door hangers because Flyers, they don't stick, right? So we got to put yeah. them on door hangers. And then my dad had this idea. He's like, dude, you guys should put a sticker on the bottom so they can throw away the door hanger, grab that sticker, put it on their computer. They'll call you when they need you. Yeah, great and idea. That turned into, you know, like James, you know, we got him jobs and then he had four jobs a day and then we had to hire a tech and then we had to hire another tech and then we opened a store. You know, like all those progressive things happened. Then 
His girlfriend breaks his heart. He joins the Navy and he bounces on me. He literally comes to me one week. He's like, hey man, you need to take me to the recruiter on Wednesday at like five in the morning. I'm shipping out. I was like, what? Oh, man. So I get stuck with this business that mind you, you know, I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is that it was making a lot of money and because I would go to the cash drawer and there was money at the end of the day, that was it. Like that was how I knew business at the time. And, you know, I had dropped out of college because I didn't know what I was doing in college. I was a good student, right. but I didn't know what I was doing there. I had no purpose, right? So he leaves. I start to close this business down and I learn things about business I had never experienced before in my life. Somebody told me we should have a corporation, so we had a corporation, but I didn't know I personally signed for, you know, annual contracts with Yellow Pages. By the way, that's how old this is, right? Yellow Pages. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, a number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we had multiple contracts there. We had a, like a penny saver contract. We had all kinds of different marketing stuff that we had gotten into at the time, a lease contract that I had to get out of. And all of that I personally signed for. We had taken on massive debts to expand and we weren't going to be doing any expansion stuff, all of which I personally signed for. We had bought another rental property in Las Vegas. I had to sell that, sell my house here in San Diego close everything down. I had never filed a tax return. I didn't know you were supposed to. I never paid for quarterly. How many years was that? That was like two, three years, dude. Two, three years and, in business. and employment taxes. I didn't know I was supposed to pay all that stuff. So anyways, in the process of shutting it down, I ended up filing for bankruptcy because you know, that was my dad's advice. Now in hindsight, I probably could have just got out of it. It wasn't that big of a mess. It felt um, like it though, right? But it felt like it at yeah, the yeah, time, yeah. right? Hold on. I don't want to break this story out because I want to hear the rest of it. But just point out to this, to the audience, like all the stuff that you did to build the business, if you were to think about all that stuff ahead of time, you probably wouldn't even go into business. But what happens is it's that commitment that we talked about earlier. You're committed to doing something. You had a reason, a purpose, commitment, and then figure the rest out later. It's a powerful thing when you commit because creativity comes after it and you start figuring things out little by little, right? And then you look yeah. back and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe how much I did. It's me, but also I got lucky. Right. And here's nah, the, man, I, nah, there's no luck. Come on. I do, Well, okay. There was work, right? We did yeah. do our own marketing stuff and we did do some stuff to grow, but also I had a business that was geared for a perfect time. Right. And if I had treated it, like if I could be now with the same opportunity as that business was in the past, it would have been a whole different ballgame. So I got lucky in the sense I was in the right market at the right time. Right, it did right. take work. I did make the strategic moves and, but I had zero business sense. Like I, you know, if things yeah. like I didn't have bookkeeping. Yeah, but here's the thing. What's business? Like, what is a business? Like a business is finding somebody that has a problem and solving it, right? And there was people that, so I don't believe that luck thing, man. I think that you guys had a problem that you saw out there. You knew there was a business out there. Now, whether you know how to do taxes and all that stuff, that's separate. That's not, matter of fact, that's not even business, dude. That's just like ancillary things that need to be done to keep your business going. But you guys found a problem, solved the problem. And that's how you You got paid. Right? You're, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. Because it really, what it comes down to, what I tell people today is, do you have a market? Is there somebody who's willing to buy what it is that that's you're offering, yeah. right? If yeah. that's there, if that exists, then go for it. Everything else you can figure out on your own. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, now I'm thinking about it with you, you're going to twist my story up a little bit because <laughs> I'm totally, totally put the damper. But I put a lot of emphasis on that stuff that I didn't know, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so once I filed that BK, I was done. Literally, I was making a lot of money. I crashed. I burned. I was at the bottom of my game and I was supposed to be getting married six months later. So, you know, this was like the absolute worst and, you know, best time. First thing I did was I enrolled in tax school, right? And I was like, who's Uncle Sam and why is he taking my money? Always going to be there. (laughs) He's always going to be there, right? But to me, it was that whole monopoly analogy, right? Okay. 
I played the game. I got lucky. I got some stuff done, whatever. That's great. If I would have known these things, if I would have known these rules, could it have been different, right? Could it have been better? Could I have, you know, kicked this thing's ass and just kept going nonstop? And so, you know, I enrolled in tax school. I went back to school. I got my degree in accounting. You know, I started helping people in this tax field. And I was like, you know what? I love giving people a check, (laughs) right? Uh, Uncle Sam's check, it's their own money. But, you know, still the ability to give them the check. And I was like, hey, by the way, you know, you can do more with that. So I, you know, I got my insurance license. Doors started to open up as I started to educate myself. And now I was like, dude, now I know this. First of all, I was bit by that entrepreneur bug. There was no way I was ever not going to have something going on. And, but now I knew the rules and now I can help people in different ways. And it's been one hell of a ride since, man. I've owned a couple different businesses. And when you talk about building a team, I've gone through the struggles of doing it myself, right? I was like, dude, I love playing video games. So I bought a game truck and I did kid birthday parties. And I would pull up with this 32 foot trailer with TVs inside and, you know, a bunch of 10 year old, 12 year old kids would hop in the trailer and we play video games for a long time. And it sounds fun as hell, except when I didn't do the party, I didn't get paid. When I didn't answer the phone, the parties didn't get booked. You know, like everything involved in that business was me hundred percent. And even playing video games, I got fed up. I got burnt out. I'm done. Now, when we have the insurance agency, I don't go to the office like you don't even really know I exist in that company because I do all the back end stuff, right? I make sure we get money from carriers. I make sure that our agents get paid. We have like 40 something agents that work for us. It's a different type of business. We have, you know, employees, admins. I communicate with my admin staff and and everything gets delegated down that way. So it's totally different the way I operate today to where I used to be, where I was 100% hands-on. But experience got me there. Well, here's the thing. There's so many people. We're working on this in our business right now. There's no valor in taking everything on yourself to do, right? Like a lot of people think that, man, if I give that up and delegate it, I'm being lazy. I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, leaders don't do the work. They gather the people around them, find strengths in people, and then delegate to them and quarterback the situation. That's mm-hmm. what a leader does. A leader doesn't do all the work himself. And a lot of people misconstrue this. And this is a problem for people because it's holding them back. A lot of people that could be great business owners, managers, or executives, or whatever they are, they don't understand delegation. And they think they got to do everything and control everything. And until you really release that control, you're kind of stuck in a cage, man. Do you think it's cultural? Because I know growing up as you know Mexican, like, man, my people, we work our asses off. Like, there's no doubt that, you know, I have aunts and uncles and they're in construction or they're welders or whatever, and they yeah. work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember growing up as I was building stuff and, you know, started to put teams together, I'd get made fun of, like, they'd get picked on, like, you don't work, bro. Like, you don't, yeah. you don't do that stuff. I'm like, I just work differently than you. Like, yeah, I yeah, decided that true. that wasn't the way I wanted to do things. I'm doing things a little bit different. Yep. But, you know, that's me being able to shut down that talk, that banter at, at, on the other side and say, dude, this is the way I operate. And now it's to the point where, you know, a lot of them, we're older now, we're getting into our 40s and we're like, you know, they're still, they've been in the same careers and they're telling me things like, dude, my body, dude, my hands, you know, my eyes, my body hurts. And I'm like full force. They're looking at me like, you know, how do you get up and run at 5 a.m. every morning? You know, how do you have time to do this? How do you even running multiple businesses? I'm like, dude, it's just, I stick to it. People, dude, you get people. I I stick to my calendar. I assign my team members. Like it's. It's basic, but to me, it's basic. To them, it's, you know, extraterrestrial. Yeah, here's the thing. So how many, there's only 24 hours in a day, right? So last time I checked. Yeah, I mean, like when I work, like I work a lot, but I don't feel like I work. 
because I like what I do. I'm passionate about it. But if you take the 40 employees that we have and you multiply it by eight, eight times 40 is 320 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I get 320 hours a day worth of work done because I hire people. I bought time from people. And so you can either be the type that has basically sells your time or you can be the type that buys time. And I always want to be on the end of buying time. And, you know, a lot of people that you look at that, like you said, they make fun of you or they talk trash or something like that, but they just don't understand the concept. And then they end up, like you said, sore, bodies breaking down on them, burnout. And here we're building businesses to make residual income to continue to have in a, basically an empire. A lot, that's what I look at. I'm trying to build an empire, man. Mm-hmm. But you need people that are willing to work for money and sell their time though, because otherwise you wouldn't have a business. Well, let me ask you, what's your experience been like once you've had this whole podcast thing take off? How has it helped or you know, added to your business? That's funny because I was going to ask you the same thing. So basically what I looked at is we were in the mortgage business. We're trying to get known locally and meet with realtors to get business to come in, right? And I started thinking to myself, like, we're thinking too small, not just on the amount of volume that we want to do and how big we want the company to grow. We're thinking too small on getting known. So I'm mm-hmm. like, how can I get known globally? Like, I can't get on TV right away unless I want to pay an arm and a leg. There's got to be a way. And then I started meeting people. I went to the Grant Cardone's office for a workshop. It was called 10X Stages. And I met a guy named Chris Donaldson, who I've had on my podcast. And he invited me on his podcast. And I'm like, shit, this is this easy? And then I said, you know what? Then I can put it up on my social network. I can pump some money behind it. I can go YouTube. I can do all this different stuff. And then just go nuts with it and be obsessed about getting it out there. And then all of a sudden, people from South Africa, UK, Ireland, Australia, people are reaching out to me. Man, I love your story. I'm connected with your story. And then it starts like giving you fuel, right? And you start building mm-hmm. off of that. And you're like, holy cow, this is, this is like how you can get known globally. When you get known globally, then the local market takes care of itself. So how it's helped our business, the credibility right away is our business is blown up by 800% year over year. I don't know if it's just the podcast. I don't know if it's just some of the things that we've implemented or a combination of everything, but it definitely didn't hurt, right? How about you? Dude, for me, it's changed It's changed my life dramatically. I started the podcast with the intent of getting more real estate clients, right? It didn't pan out that way because I didn't understand this whole podcast game. And as I was building it, I realized, holy shit, I'm building a real estate audience. I'm not necessarily building it for my end consumer of, you know, who somebody who's going to buy and sell real estate. But I'll tell you what, every single person I've had on my show has an insurable interest. So we redefine the way we're doing things. And we're like, look, we're going to target and we're going to hit every single business owner we possibly can. I don't care what kind of business they're in. I don't care if they're at the beginning of the business or they're multi-million dollar, you know, revenue generating business. Each of them has a story and a position that they're in. And we're going to give them the platform to share that story. And just like you said, we're going to cut that up. We're going to repurpose it. We're going to throw it on our Instagram feeds. We're going to throw it on our Facebook feeds, the YouTube, all that stuff. And it really turned into the number one prospecting tool I have ever come across. Because I don't know about, I mean, you have an experience in prospecting. When you call you know, for sale by owners or if you call expired listings, whatever, nobody wants to talk to you on the phone. They all want to hang up on you but they'll give you 45 minutes of their time to be on your podcast, Yeah, right? It's so amazing how that stuff works. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it was like, now, if you needed a connection here in San Diego, somebody who in pretty much any type of business, people hit me up for that all the time. I'm like, yeah, call my boy or call my lady at whatever it is. Here's your hookup. And I have that network. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's network building. Yeah, yeah. It's, It's been amazing for that. Not just that, dude. Like prior to this whole thing, 
if I was in some you know networking event and they're like, hey, we need somebody to talk to the group for like 15 minutes, would you be okay with that? I would have been like, that's your guy over there, right? I was not that comfortable. I didn't have a fine-tuned message. I didn't have a story really. I mean, I had a story, but not one that I could really like just pull out and talk about yep. today. Dude, I'm digging to find that next stage or I'm digging yep. to find that next place yep. to talk about my story. I'm like, I'm, I am want to talk to that next yeah. person I can meet that I've never met in my entire life. I look forward to that. Yeah, dude. Like, I feel like I could be anywhere. Like I could just wake up and then roll out and then be at the store somewhere and they're like, hey man, I'm looking for somebody to speak. And I could just go, all right, what do you want to talk about? It's yeah. Because so, you do it so much. That is a total game changer. Absolutely. I think that's a huge part of this is that I don't even think twice, man, about speaking now. It's, it's awesome. amazing how that works, right? Yeah. And I think that confidence also, it helps my team members out. So when you do meet people that want to be part of your organization or want to be part of your brand or whatever it is, like they aspire to you. And not to mention, I've connected with people I don't even know yet in person. And it, that's one of the most amazing things. So we know when you're on my show, our call thing at the beginning, you know, welcome to another episode. We all go business, bro. And it's just like our call sign, right? Right, right. That's been our cultural thing. So I'll show up to a networking event. Well, not since COVID, but we'd show up to a networking event or whatever. And people who see us in the street, wearing, I wear my, my shirt every single day. They see the logo. That's the first thing they do. They just shout out like in a crowd. Boom, boom, bros. Yep. It's the culture, Way right? Mo. They all say way yeah, See, yeah. same thing, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and it's know, amazing. And the other thing, the other advantage to this is, is we get to wear the same outfit every day. It's like really easy. I just throw my what do you made up shirt on and I'm good. I don't got to think about it, no, right? That's great. It's I don't got to think about it. a bunch of them and you're, you're set. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I love about it, man. One thing I wanted to say too is, is that to give some transparency here, we got on today, right? We did a show swap. I don't know about you, but I wasn't even sure. Like if I was the guest, you were the guest. It's like, it's <laughs> on me. But the thing about it is you see, we just jumped up and rolled because we're, yep. we're confident. Because you're professional. Confident. Yeah. Right? And it's something that comes along with the, uh, the territory now. And i Definitely would recommend anybody getting a podcast, man. Even if you don't even get it out there, just practice. The reason why car salesmen are so good at selling stuff is not because you know they, they get some super special training. It's because everybody comes to the lot ready to buy. They get to practice that skill of communicating with another individual on a regular basis. They get so many at-bats that eventually they get good at hitting the ball every single time, right? Yep, yep. And that's what it's about in sales and in business. So if you learn that skill to modify and adapt who you are in your conversation, have passion behind your voice, show people that you know what it is you're talking about, it's a skill that you can take with you into any industry. And you become a leader just by having that kind of skill set. Yep. Yep. 100%. Well, Hernan, how can my audience get in touch with you, engage with you? What do you have to offer them as far as service goes? Yeah. So I'm going to give away a free book. So Power of Podcasting is our free ebook helping people start their own podcast. You can literally start your own show and get the skills you need for free. So get, the, get our Power Podcasting book at www.businessbros.biz slash free pop, F-R-E-E-P-O-P, Power Podcasting. And you can find us on our social media pages at Business Bros Pod. Any of the platforms you're looking for us, we're probably already on it. So check it out. Let's go support them, guys. Support our guests on the What Are You Made Of show. Hernan, so thankful to have you on here, man. I appreciate you with the shake up in the beginning. I appreciate just your cooperation with that. And I'm looking forward to being on your show, brother. If there's anything I can do for you in the future, all you got to do is reach out to your boy C-Rock. Waymo. Waymo, Waymo. Thank you guys for listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast. Go subscribe on YouTube and iTunes or Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. I can't do this without you. I want to show gratitude and thank you so much for joining us. And by the way, guys, I am a Cardone licensee. So if you're having problems in your business and you have a sales team with follow-up prospecting, 
or handling objections or mindset, get up with me. I have all the training tools that Grant Cardone has put out available to me to share with you. And you can just reach out to me and DM me on that on Instagram at Mikey C-Rock. Until next time, it's the boy C-Rock. Be great. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode.